Okay, good morning. Um, if you've got a Bible, um, you can turn it to or scroll to Matthew chapter 26. We're going through, continuing our series in the book of Matthew, this account of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And we are in Matthew 26 from verse 14. So that's where we are today. And today, today's passage really focuses around, um, mostly around a festival meal. You know, all, all cultures have celebrations and important dates in their calendar, don't they? And often they revolve around a meal, don't they? Perhaps you can think of some of yours, in fact, perhaps you can think of some of yours that perhaps you, culturally, you might, um, things you might eat during your cultural celebration. So let me help here. With, say, for instance, our Farsi friends, Persian New Year, um, what do people traditionally eat as a kind of traditional thing during Persian New Year? I know you have a table with stuff on it as well. Come on, someone tell me. So, Sasan, you tell us some of the food at Persian New Year. Normally for Persian food for korma sabzi and also they have it for rice, chicken, sometimes for sweet. So celebration for... Fish uh, and rice, nuts. Yeah, yeah, actually for some cake, they have something like this, yeah. Excellent. Anyone else from a different nation? And it's not Christmas, is it? Pizza. When <laughs> England are playing someone. <laughs> Any, anyone else? Um, Eritrea. I know in Eritrea, in celebrations, there's some special food, isn't there? What kind of special food would you have for a special celebration? Zinjera. <laughs> Uh, like oh, sauce, yeah. like with chicken. <laughs> oh, and chicken as well. Anyone else? Anyone else from there? Oh, I'm going over here. Last one. A pom curry. That means like a pancake and a big curry. Oh. <laughs> big curry. Wow, yes. Oh, wonderful. It's a bit like, I guess, Christmas. We would have our the, the food we would celebrate with and... And we would, re- we would remember, uh, my friend, uh, some of you will know my f- our friend Heath from Zimbabwe. Um, you might know him. And uh, it, w- one of our Christmas events, he was invited to. And he was so excited to come because he heard there would be mince pies at the event. He thought, oh, I, I love a good meaty mince pie. <laughs> and uh, he arrived and was served a mince pie. What is this? <laughs> well, he was so disappointed. Um, you know, we have, we have our own food as well, don't we? Just not as good. But this, mor- this morning, we have two, uh, t- two events we're looking at really focused around this, this festival that was being celebrated, this meal together. So let's read our passage and then get into it. So Matthew 26 from verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Let's just stop there and consider what Gavin brought to us last week and that response of the woman who pours oil on Jesus and shows this amazing act of worship. And then in contrast, we have Judas. It says, then... Judas did this. 
Let's read on. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go to the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to one one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to this man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so these two, two events we're looking at this morning, Judas and this Passover meal. See, festivals are meant to remind us, these days are meant to remind us of important events. That's perhaps what these cultural days that we've just been hearing about are meant to remind us of of important things. What's most important to us? The Passover was important to God's people at this time. It was to to look back to a time when God had brought them out of slavery, into freedom, out from Egypt. You know, Moses um, bringing the people out. It was meant to give them strength in their present day and it was meant to help them to look forward to a day when God's kingdom would come again. And uh, and I think this passage that we're looking at this morning speaks to three big questions of life. Three big questions of life. The first is this. I think it's, why are we here? Why, not why are we here, but why, why, why do we exist? Why are we on this earth? See, let's think about Judas. I mean, if you were to, if you were to ask, uh, you know, a passerby on Yarm Road, say, about who they knew, what names of the disciples they knew, they may not know. They may not know many. Might potentially know Peter. I suspect um, more often than not, they might know Judas. They might. They might say, "Oh, yeah, he betrayed Jesus." They would know his name. Why does, he, why does he betray Jesus? Well, it's not entirely clear, actually. Was it, was it money? You know, was it, was it for the money? Did he do that because he wanted 30 pieces of silver? Well, the reality is 30 pieces of silver isn't that much. It's, you know, a few months' salary. You know, would he really betray Jesus for a few months' salary? Uh, most scholars think there's probably most likely another reason why Judas 
is betraying Jesus. He's disillusioned. He's disillusioned with Jesus. Jesus is not the type of Messiah that he was expecting. You know, Jesus is talking about things like, um, you know, the greatest, uh, the greatest amongst you is the lowliest, and the lowliest amongst you is the greatest. Uh, and he's saying the Son of Man is going to be suff- is going to suffer and die. And Judas is just saying, Do you know, this is not, this is not the Messiah I signed up to, and signed up for. You know, Judas was J- Judas was thinking. What we really need is freedom from the Romans. You know, they were under Roman occupation. That's, that's the freedom we need. It's to be free from this Roman occupation. Perhaps that's what was on Judas's mind. We, we don't know. We will never know. But whatever it was, whatever it was, everything that Judas had learned, the miracles, the healings, he would have been one of the 12 that was sent out. Jesus sent out, giving authority to heal demons and um, proclaim the good news. All that, the message he had heard where Jesus was saying, if you want to know God, come to me. All of that, Judas had decided, made a decision. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And you see, I think, I think this points to humans' deepest problem. This question of why are we here that we're looking at? Well, we're here to know God. We were created to know God, to have friendship with him, to live in worship with him as we heard last week. He is worth everything. But as humans, we choose to reject him. It's not worth it. We reject God. And the Bible has a word for this. It's a word that we don't often use anymore and it's kind of gone out of favour, but the Bible calls this sin. And we often think of sin as just kind of doing wrong things, don't we? Maybe wrong things to others or, you know, the things we might do. But the heart of sin is really putting things in place of Jesus. Putting things in place of him. Instead of worshipping him, worshipping other things. Putting things in place of that relationship that we were made for. This is Romans. This is what Paul says in Romans 1 verse 21. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And then he goes on and he says their hearts were so affected that what happens is we exchange the glory of God for other things, anything. You see, it's not just Judas. Actually, it's every human's problem. Every human has done this. We've, we've been made to know God, to have him at the centre of our lives, but we choose our own fulfilment instead. We choose success, or we choose money, or we choose relationships. Or we choose, you know, doing good, trying to be a good person. I'll make life about this. We say, I know better than you, God, because you're not worth it. Why are we here? We're here to have friendship with God through Jesus. We can't gloss over that question. Why are we here? Why are we here? Secondly, I think it answers one of these big questions. What do we do when bad things happen? See, think Jesus is around this table with his 12 closest followers 
and friends, and they're having this special meal. And he says to them, one of you, one of you is going to stab me in the back. One of you is going to betray me. Listen, this is what um, uh, Zambian pastor Joe Polo says about this, comments on this. He says, there's a Zambian proverb. Anyone from Zambia this morning? Wonderful, you won't know that I'm not pronouncing this properly. He says this, this Zambian proverb says this, Ichikupepemlupula ichikula. You'll never know if that was right, but it means this. Your closest friend can cause you the most harm. It's a Zambian proverb. And I think that's so right. Judas, see Judas was not on a good path. We already know that he was stealing money out of the, because he was the treasurer of the twelve and he was taking money. We already know this. Um, John says that, John records that Jesus calls him the son of destruction. Um, and Luke, Luke says that the devil had entered Judas. You know, this is a dark event, isn't it? As he betrays Jesus. But what we read is that Jesus knew it. In fact, Jesus allowed it. And you know, it's a reminder to us that God is not thrown by human actions. God is not caught off guard by human decisions. Listen, this is one of the, in fact, this is one of the Psalms that they would have read at the Passover meal. It's Psalm 115 and it says this, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. See, I think there's a tension, there's a tension that the Bible is, doesn't have a problem holding for us, which is God's sovereignty. He's in charge. He rules and he reigns as Kobe prayed out this morning. And man's responsibility, our actions, that held intention. But the Bible doesn't have a problem with holding those intention. Judas, despite God knowing, despite even Jesus in this passage saying, this is what's going to happen. Judas is still held responsible for his actions, for his decisions, for his heart. And what do we see? We see this, that despite this betrayal, the light of Jesus shines bright. And the life of Jesus shines through. In fact, even brighter, showing his love. Think about this. Judas is one of the guys. Judas is on the team. These people spend a lot of time together. He's been welcomed in. Some people think that in order for, for what happens to happen, that Judas is sat next to Jesus at the supper. John's maybe on one side and perhaps Judas is on the other. He's, he's, like, the, he's like one of the guests of honour. And, and Jesus dips the bread, maybe dips bread, or dips something in the bowl and hands it to Judas. Some people even think that you know, what he'll have done is dipped something in the bowl put it in Judas's mouth. It's, a, it's an act, a sign that, that would happen at the Passover to say to the person next to you, I love you. I honour you. I'm for you. I'd die for you. And some people think this is what's happening at this moment. 
See, Jesus, Jesus gives Judas every opportunity to repent, to turn to him. His light and his love shine through all the more brighter, even in this dark moment. See, God will see his plans through. Everything will be subject to him, even this horrid betrayal. See, I, I know there are dark events that we see. I know there are dark events that perhaps we might experience now. There are dark events around the world. You know, there's famine in the Tigray region of northern Ethiopia due to conflict. There's difficulties in Iran, which we know and we've prayed about. Our friends in Ukraine experiencing such immense difficulty and war. You know, we heard, didn't we? If you were here four weeks ago, we heard from Igor um, who leads a number of churches in our family of churches in Ukraine. And we heard him say this on the Christ Central video, didn't we? He said, God's presence accompanies us. And we feel God's grace. One of the Sunday meetings in one town has doubled over the last few months so that we had to break the wall of our room to increase the area by 40 seats. People who experience suffering feel their need for God. And we are privileged to answer the needs of our people. Do you know, I think that's true for us as we walk through difficult times. Perhaps you are walking through a difficult time right now. God's presence accompanies you. It is closer than the clothes that you're wearing. He is with you even through the difficult times. This is what, again, from Romans, Paul writes in Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, even in the darkest events of your life and my life, whether they're the result of our actions or not, God is with us. God is with you. And he's working all things for good. You know, you might, be, you might be walking through things right now. Do you need to hear that today? You know, we're going to have an opportunity to pray at the end, as Raj said. You might want to respond just so that you might stand with someone as they stand with you and pray with you in those difficult times. Listen, whatever you're going through, it won't stop Jesus' love and his care and his compassion in his heart for you and his purposes in your life. Okay, finally, finally, where does freedom come from? Our final big question, where does freedom come from and how do I find it? I think in order to understand this final point, we need to again look at the Passover festival and see what was going on. So as we said, the Passover festival looked back. It looked back to that event over a thousand years ago as Moses led the people out in the power of God God with them. Moses led the people out of that place, out of Egypt, out of slavery and into freedom. Into freedom. And everything at the Passover festival had a meaning. You know, they had the bread without yeast to symbolize, you know, that that's, they had to make the bread in a quick hurry as they left Egypt. They had bitter herbs that represented the bitter slavery that they experienced in Egypt. Lambs were sacrificed in the temple 
um, as they remembered the blood sacrificed, you know, the blood they put on the doorposts um, that would protect the people of God as God came over Egypt in judgment. Um, they'd, they'd have wine that they would drink and there would be four times that they would drink the wine and each time there would be a different prayer that would be said. There were loads of prayers, loads of scripture readings. And here, here at this point, as they are remembering these things, it takes a different direction. See, this special meal, this holy moment with all its ritual, and Jesus makes it about him. Jesus makes it about him. Have you ever been at a party where it's about something else or someone else and someone else makes it all about them? Don't you hate that? It's not about you. It's about them. The only thing is this. It was about him. It was all about him. Yeah, okay, we see Jesus. You know, he, he took the focus off himself. Many times he washed his disciples' feet. He said, I'm here to serve you. Wash your feet. Prayed for his disciples. But he says, as we do, this, as we do these rituals, it's all about me. It is all about me. Jesus said, you know, the things you're remembering, um, they're about me and what I've come to do and how I've come to set you free. We still remember it now, don't we? As we take the bread and the wine um, on a Sunday morning. And we remember all that Jesus has done. He said, this bread, it's about my body. I'm the one that sustains you. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one you need. He says this wine. And he, after, the, after the fourth cup of wine, um, Exodus 6 would be read. And they'd hold the wine and they'd say, they'd say the words of Exodus 6 as well. Then I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And Jesus is saying, it's no longer about the covenant you made in the desert. It's a new covenant in my blood. It's a new relationship. It's a new way of encountering God through my blood, through my sacrifice, through the death I'm going to die. And I'm going to forgive every sin. Every sin. Jesus is saying, you're thinking about freedom you're thinking about freedom from the past. You're thinking about freedom now. You're thinking about freedom in the future. You can find freedom in me, says Jesus. You can forget, find forgiveness in me. See, our culture longs for freedom. And we, th we think in our culture that we're free because we can do what we like. And that's freedom. You know, we, perhaps here this morning you're, you, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. And you think, well, you know, what free, what, people, who, people who kind of adhere to a faith, that's not freedom. Um, people who come to worship God, that's not freedom. You're not free if you submit or you worship a God. That's not freedom. Freedom is freedom to do anything you like, whatever you like. The truth is this. When that happens, we're not, we're not free in our culture. We just worship something else. We just choose something else to worship. We just become slaves to whatever else it is in life. You remember that, that quote from Romans? We they exchange the glory of God just for something else. That's what happens. It's like this famous quote from um, 
an American author called David Foster Wallace. It's long, but it's good, and it's probably one of the most read um, speeches on the internet. And he said this a number of years ago. He's not, this guy's not a Christian. And he said this, there's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice is what we worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, you'll never have enough. Never feel you have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power and you'll feel weak and afraid and you'll need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. So you think, you see what he's saying? He says, you think you're free because you would never worship God. Actually, you know, the freedom that you think you have will eat you alive. And it can't give you the freedom that you want. See, Judas and many of the religious leaders of the time would have been looking for freedom against the Romans. That was the freedom they were thinking of. We think of freedom as you could do what you like. Jesus is saying the freedom you need is the forgiveness that I will bring you. Forgiveness so that you can, the things that stop you from knowing God, from having this friendship with God, from realising what life is all about, that's the freedom that you need. And you can enter into this relationship with God through me. It's freedom from sin. It's freedom from the fear of those dark events that you might be walking through at the moment. It's the freedom that comes through forgiveness. And it comes through the cross, as Jesus gave his life, as Jesus gave his life for us, as Jesus was the perfect sacrificial lamb and he hung on that cross and he paid for our sins and your sins and my sins for the sin of the world so that we could know forgiveness and be invited to know God. It's wonderful freedom, it's wonderful freedom. As we come to an end, I want us to f- respond in prayer. And I, and I think there's three ways. You know, perhaps, perhaps, you've never, perhaps you've never experienced that freedom at all. The freedom of forgiveness. The freedom of uh, coming into relationship and friendship with Jesus. Perhaps you, that's you there this morning. If, that, if that's you, I, I would love you to respond. I'd love you to do something really brave. As when we pray, why don't you come out and just pray with one of our prayer team? Or maybe it's this. Maybe you're a Christian and, you know, you, you follow Jesus, but at the moment, just, you, you just feel, I'm not walking in that freedom. For whatever reason, I'm not, I'm not walking in that freedom day by day. Jesus wants to meet you and encounter you today by his Spirit. Or perhaps it's this. Perhaps you are experiencing a tough time at the moment. Perhaps there is a dark event that you are walking through. Perhaps it's of your making. Perhaps it's not of your making. Do you know what? I believe Jesus wants to encounter you this morning to know that in all things he's working for good. He loves you. He wants to release you from from despair. He wants to release you from depression. He wants to bring you into hope. You know, the dark event might not go away. The situation might not change, but he wants to give you hope in that situation.
I wonder if the band could come up and just lead us in a song, and then we're going to respond. And as the band start begin to play, I wonder if our prayer team, those of you who are on our prayer team, whether you could just make your ways to both these sides here, and if there's anyone upstairs, you might need to come downstairs if you want to respond. But I believe God wants to meet us this morning. I believe God wants to encounter us this morning, as he already has been doing. He wants to set people free. He wants to meet you and I, bring hope, release people from depression. Let me just pray as the band prepare. Lord Jesus, we love you. Our perfect spotless lamb. Thank you. In you we find who we really are. We find purpose. We find what we're here for. In you we know that as we... You know, encounter dark events and I know there are dark events that, and situations that we're facing right now we know that you're with us and you come close to us Lord Jesus I pray for anyone here as well that doesn't know you Lord would you draw them to you this morning help them to see that the freedom they need is the forgiveness of God and to come into that friendship with you And so, Lord, come and encounter us this morning. Amen. Amen. As the band begin to play, ministry team, why don't you move out to the sides? Sorry, prayer team, why don't you move out to the sides? And then, if you know, I, I just...